0: Hey, Sparkles, you're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. This is David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 Chicago and NBC
1: Sports Chicago. Take that. Rhino, this team continues to tease, I see a little bit of greatness. I mean, it's not every day that the defending World Series champions get swept in a, in a double header. That gives you a little bit of hope, right? I mean, they're just toying with my feelings, Chad. That's really what this is boiling down
0: to. Every time I get excited, then they just fall again so hopefully that is not the case
1: i'm going to continue to remind everybody we're just five six weeks into the season it's the cubs are in spitting distance but we're going to talk about some of the issues uh which is uh injury bugs some some on the field injuries some off the field injuries we're going to talk about uh um, some of the bright spots in uh in uh, the flexibility of the bench and some of the things they're doing and then we're also going to uh talk about uh uh, really interesting dynamics around supply and demand at Wrigley Field. Have you been wanting to go to Wrigley, but you've chosen not to? Or do you just feel like tickets aren't available? We'll dig into that as well. Yep.
0: And we are going to have a great guest this week from NBC Sports California. She is the pre and post game host for the Oakland Athletics. Plus has a great podcast called Corked Up. We're talking to Jessica Kleinschmidt. Really interesting stuff, Chad. She's got some great insight about women in the sport of broadcasting and how that is going as far as seeing more women in the broadcast booth. And plus, she is such a great story, a real non traditional way of how she got into the business. We get into all that as well. So stick around because the Friendly Confines starts right now. Hi, everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. Chad, let's start as we always do, that being in the first inning. And what a great start to the homestand the Cubs had with the sweep in the doubleheader against the Dodgers, beating both Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Bauer. What kind of kick do you think this could potentially give the Cubs long-term for them to finally get back on the right track here in 2021?
1: When we did our debut studio show... Our, our web show, whatever we're going to call it. I actually mentioned that this sort of week, what's coming up in any time. And we're just five weeks into the season. This team needs something to turn the switch on because this is not a collection of also runs. This is a collection of team uh, of players that many of them have been to the world series and won it. And they are winners. And we're just wondering why they haven't been able to put it all together. We know the pitching has some issues, but the pitching certainly didn't have some issues in that doubleheader sweep of the Dodgers. I mean, Clayton Kershaw, gets uh bounced the, the shortest outing of his entire career trevor bauer the thing i think was most in, uh, impressive to me that was a pitching duel that was a tight one nothing game the cubs never faltered um and it just they dodgers came back and tied it up but then the cubs didn't give up through those extra innings so i i, I think this is the confidence builder this team potentially needs we're going to see how it stretches out if, if they hold on or not but i i I am a better Cubs fan when I have hope I'm a better Cubs fan when I have optimism. I don't see the point in just writing off a team five weeks into the season. I'm excited about this team because I saw something special on that Tuesday night in Wrigley. You don't often get to see two W flags flying at the same time over the scoreboard. Only the first time that the defending world series champion uh, team had got swept into doubleheader since 1980. And it's the Cubs first doubleheader sweep since. Yep. 2016 that was a special year who knows what's going to happen this year but it definitely gives me hope listen
0: i want to get excited about this chad i was trying to get excited or i was excited after they swept the mets and then they just absolutely uh you know just debilitated the brewers in that first game and then the cubs just skidded so this team clearly plays much better at wrigley than they do on the road that's obvious And I just don't want this to feel like false hope again. It was great to see them start off the way that they did, but I feel like I'm going to still need to see a lot more from this team before I feel like the ship has been righted and that this club has a legitimate shot to ultimately
1: win the division. Let's move on to the second inning. And Ryan, uh, a big part of the excitement of that Tuesday night in Wrigley Field was – a doubleheader sweep. And because of the rules, because of the COVID safety rules, we we don't know how long this is going to last, but it was put in place because they knew there'd be some potentials for reschedulers, reschedule games, some postponements. But Ryan, what do you think about the seven inning doubleheader is that a, a thing you want to see continue on or do you feel like it's something that uh, it's time uh, should be over after this season
0: yeah i mean i might be the get off my lawn guy now at this point in my life chad but I, I am not a fan i mean i i understand why they did it last year it was you know to minimize the amount of contact that players had on the field during covid but now that you're allowing fans back into the stadium Why is it an issue to play two more innings for, you know, each game? I mean, it's not gonna change anything as far as the players being around each other and the fans being at the ballpark. And not only that, it's starting to screw up statistics as well. We can point to the Madison Baumgartner game where he threw seven innings of no-hit baseball and Major League Baseball refused to give him a no-hitter because it wasn't a nine-inning game, yet Major League Baseball is the reason why we're playing seven-inning games. So to me, it's just absolutely silly. I really hope this is a temporary thing. And that, yes, by next year, I hope we are back to nine-inning doubleheader games because uh, it's certainly, for me, not something I want to
1: see on the regular. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. You're right. Madison Bumgarner didn't get the no-hitter, but Kyle Hendricks got the complete game. So it is, it's, it's interesting. I'm not as concerned about that um, because there have been guys that have been, you know, perfect and 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 no hitters through 10 innings but that didn't even count you know a game is a game and the rules are very interesting and open for interpretation and obviously baseball certainly doesn't you know they they benefit i would say they they do benefit by all the people talking on social media about them whether they agree or disagree i'd like to see this end after the season is over i think it's in place now because again the expectations there be some covid related postponements where there'd be more double headers. So let's shorten, you know, that, 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 that point, but this is a, you know, these should be nine inning games. Um, This is how baseball is made to be. Um, You know, and then you throw in, you know, in the eighth inning, you've got a guy on second and that just cheapens it even more. I'd like to see regular baseball. Now, if you want to talk about the the guy on second rule, I could, I could give you a really good reason why that shouldn't happen, but I'll just say right now, I'd be in favor of doing ties. You know, let's, let's get it to a point where it, it doesn't make sense to be playing 18 innings because that's just a spectacle at that point. But uh Seven inning doubleheaders needs to go away this year. Um, it impacts stats. It impacts a lot of other issues. Um, I want to see the, the 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 twin bill of the, the nine inning games because that is what baseball is. And I don't think it's a get off the lawn situation. I think that's just how it should be done. Yeah, this isn't uh, this isn't junior high. This isn't high school sports. This is Major League Baseball. These guys can do it.
0: Well, OK, but with that being said, then I, I'm not in favor of ties because this is big boy ball and there are no ties in big boy ball in my there. Opinion. If you know.
1: go back historically in baseball, there were a lot more ties in the past. And so at yeah. a certain point, you know, I, I don't know. I just hate the guy on second. I just think it's, it's unfair to a closer. It's unfair, you know, just to put a guy on there that, that has not earned his way on there. Um, it, it cheapens the game much more than a seven inning game as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, see, now that's where we differ. We can save that for another argument another day. So let us move on to the third inning now Chad and uh, the bench providing a nice spark for this team uh, talking about Matt Duffy talking about Eric Sogard, and we can even throw in David Bodie into the mix of course once again Bodie coming in the clutch with a great RBI single on Tuesday night to uh, beat the Dodgers in that second doubleheader game um, what do you think of the impact that guys like Matt Duffy Eric Sogard, and sure let's throw David Bodie in there on how this team who you know, you could say lack a lot of depth, but are really providing a spark off the bench for this ball club.
1: One of my favorite moments on opening day, that 35 degree day, um, (laughs) you know, about five weeks ago was when Matt Duffy came into the on deck circle. And I heard three different groups in socially distance order that could not hear each other, but all of them said, who's this Duffy guy? Who's Duffy? So, Hey, Chicago Cubs Nation! Meet Matt Duffy. So between him and Eric, I mean, it's it's a great addition. Uh, Bodie had a chance to be the the, the all-time second base starter, um, but what his versatility has shown and his clutch hitting and, and as a pinch hitter is is so good. Um, yeah, the Cubs are going to need this. I mean, people didn't really know Chris Coughlin before the run of 15 and 16. And if a team is going to make a run deep, it's always going to be those guys that you don't quite remember where they came from or how they got on the team. And you're going to need those utility guys. So the front office did a nice job of picking these guys up. You know, what I think this says more about anything for the Cubs is when you think about the versatility of this team, you know, let's talk about Chris Bryant for just a second. How valuable is him? Is, is he that he can play slot in at center field for a game, you know, uh, can play in right field, left field, first base can play uh, third base, um, he gives the ability for all of these guys to shine because this is a, a marquee player that's going all over the field and it allows all these other guys to play where they want. David Bodie, you know, made some of the most amazing plays defensively against the Dodgers on Tuesday night, mainly because he was at his natural position at third base. That was only possible because Chris is such, such versatility, but uh, a great pickups in the off season. And, and hopefully we'll see more of these guys uh, more often because their stats are, are uh helping this team when some of the starters are still trying to scratch, you know, somewhere near 200. Yeah. I I like the pick Duffy.
0: I think he's been a really solid player for this team. You know, you play him at third base, especially as you mentioned, where Chris Bryant's had to play, you know, several positions, just, because of the lack of production by the players they thought were going to be giving them uh, that production. So, you know, Duffy has stepped up. I think Eric Sogard has been really nice, and he's been a good complementary piece. My question is, are they going to hold on to these guys, you know, potentially long-term? Are they going to use them as trade pieces? Um, You know, I. I, but I I love their – infield as far as the bench goes because any three of those guys you can plug them basically anywhere and they can you know spell relief for one of these guys to give them an off day or have them play in a different position um so yeah it's it's been nice to see and they've been um some nice pieces uh, that jed hoyer has picked up that have uh, really worked out so far so uh for me i hope they stick around and and continue to pro- provide a spark because it's it's been good to see so far
1: Moving on to the fourth inning, and one of the reasons why it's so good to have the versatility that the Cubs are showing in recent days is because of that what could have been horrific injury. It looked scary on the field between Nico Horner and Ian Happ. What a catch by Nico, but uh, I mean, this could have been a very scary, this could have been a Fowler-Schwarber sort of situation, but now we've got just guys banged up, and we're not sure when we're going to see them back again. But it begs the question now that Ian Happ is no longer in the picture for now, who do you think should be the best person who's best suited to lead off for this cubs team
0: well if we have to pick one person for the time being before horner and Happ are coming back my vote's going to go to anthony rizzo now i know that jack peterson had an opportunity to lead off he's done it in the past so he knows what he's doing in that spot but rizzo's the one that's actually been productive wise the, the best choice for this team since 2017 um You know, he's obviously a guy who who can get on base. It's not something I want to see. I want to see Rizzo in the two or three spot because I think that's where he has the best opportunity to succeed driving and runs because that's where you want to see your power guys in it. But if you're telling me for the, you know, interim who I think the Cubs best option is, the easy answer is Rizzo. Um, We've seen, like I said, Contreras has been in that spot. Peterson had the opportunity, you know, the other night. But ultimately, I, I feel like if it's either Ian Hap or Nico Horner, those are the two guys I hope when they come back and hopefully uh, in the very uh, near future that those are your two best options when it's all said and done. What about you?
1: I don't like Nico in the in the leadoff spot. I think he's still young enough that he needs to just get comfortable as a major league hitter. I think what I like about Ian Happ, I know we're talking about right now, but I, I want to praise Ian for just a second. He is just so uh, you know nonplussed. He just emotionally, he's just so even keeled. And I, I like his approach. Uh, I like the fact that if he, he sees a pitch he wants, he can jump on it. Um, the mindset of a leadoff hitter is very different. I mean, you, you've got to do so much to set the stage on the very first at bat, whether it's just seeing some pitches, giving people a chance to see the approach, um, working the, the count a little bit, not going up there free swinging um, most of the time. And Ian, I think, has, has has done a good job with that. I like the idea of Jock Peterson in the interim because he is back. We do have expectations that he's going to be, you know, he's definitely not going to be the spring training Babe Ruth that we saw, but he certainly is going to be, you know, the 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 shell of a guy we, uh, that we saw um, before his stint on the IL. So I'd like like him getting some extra reps, and he has shown um, some opportunities. What I don't like is what you said. I don't like uh, Anthony Rizzo in that position. I like Anthony Rizzo in that position when 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 you need him in June and July and August when he's actually heated up, let's get um, Rizzo heated up. We know he's a slow starter. I'm kind of getting sick of this slow starter piece uh, that, that, uh, that we always talk about. Um, but yeah, let's not, let's not confuse the issue. Let's not put him in the leadoff position. Let's get a guy in there that can generate some, um, some speed on the bases as well with Anthony is not that guy. Um, and uh I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm I'm glad to see that Ian um, probably is going to be back soon, but uh, we'll get back soon because this team is a better team with with a consistency. This team has not had a consistent leadoff force since 2016, and that is a huge black mark for this Cubs front office. All right, so with that, let's move on to the
0: fifth inning now, Chad. And the injury bug has uh, bitten this team quite a bit. We talked about half. We talked about Horner. They're a little banged up right now, as you mentioned. What about Jake Arrieta? Cut on his right thumb, kind of hindered his last start. And knowing what we have seen from Jake in the past when he was with the Phillies and he struggled to stay healthy, how concerning is it that Jake now is back on the IL and hopefully won't be there too long? But considering he's been their best pitcher so far this year, um, how, how much does this trouble you seeing Jake on the IL right now?
1: You know, it's, it's less troubling as long as we're getting the whole story. As long as it is a cut on the finger, um, all that requires, all that needs is time and, and time to heal. What I like about it, if it is just a cut on the finger, you know, Jake's in his mid thirties. Now Jake could actually benefit by missing a start here and there just to give his, his arm a couple extra bullets as the season goes on. So this could benefit as, as, as the time goes on, he's still going to get his throws in, but, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of injuries right now. We've, we've detailed a couple of them with the with the, uh, the collision um, this past weekend. Um, that's where this team is going to need to be versatile. That's where this team is going to need to step up. But I'll say this right now, when all those players were announced on the IL, this Cubs took two um, from the Los Angeles Dodgers on the same day. So maybe that's the spark they need. They know they're shorthanded and, and the guys that are there, the guys that are going to be there. So let's see if this gives them some sort of spark with Jake, um, the fact that 35 years old is an old man and we're concerned about, you know, <laughs> leaving some gas in the tank for him kind of stinks because that makes me a very old man. Um, but, yeah, well, you know, let's get Let's get Jake back when we can. Um, let's give him an opportunity to, to, to skip a start. And obviously we're seeing the Cubs have some some guys that they wouldn't mind stretching out. Uh, maybe even Alec Millsy at a certain point uh, getting in and getting a, a start here and there.
0: Yeah. Well, that's an excellent point. I mean, hopefully, as you said, this is not something that we're going to see long-term. This is not going to be a nagging injury. David Ross feels pretty comfortable and confident saying that he thinks this is just going to be a one-miss start and that Jake will be back. But, you know, again, this is a guy, as we said, even though he prides himself on, you know, staying in shape and, you know, being uh, as, as fit as he is, uh, you know, yes, sadly, 35 years old is a little bit long in the tooth for an athlete. And uh, obviously Jake is not what he was four years ago. And so, you know, I, I think it's just, it begs the question after we saw what happened to him in Philadelphia, is this, you know, hopefully not the start of something long-term that is going to be bothering him throughout the year and uh, that he doesn't continuously break down. So uh, that hopefully will not be the case as uh, we move
1: now to the sixth inning. Yeah, you know, but you know what? In Jake's defense, not even God has the same stuff that Jake Arrieta had five years ago. You know, Jake was just out of his shoes. Incredible. But uh, let's see what he can do when he can come back. Still like having him in the mix. Let's uh, move on to the sixth inning. And I hate this story. You put it into the lineup because you knew I'd hate this story. I hate clickbait. I hate ridiculous things that sports writers are like, oh, let's make up a story that gets people all riled up. I'm not riled up by it. It's just an ignorant story. And I'm not going to name the publication, but the, the idea was should the Cubs trade Chris Bryant to the White Sox in May? What do you think, Ryan? Should the Cubs do that? Is that a, is that a sound decision? Do you think that is something the front offices are, are pursuing right now? Well, it makes a lot more sense
0: for the White Sox, Chad, than it does the Cubs at this very moment, right? Because the White Sox are in need of another bat in their lineup. They've lost, you know, uh, they've lost Eloy Jimenez. They have lost now Luis Robert. So they need somebody that can replace those two bats. And why not go just a little further north to a guy who can stay in town and just drive another 20 minutes to the south to uh, suit up for a team that you know, has World Series aspirations. Um, as hard as that would be to see Chris Bryant in a White Sox uniform, uh, you know, I, I certainly can see why the White Sox would be interested in that potential deal. And we talked about this on our video portion of the show when we did this on Monday night for the Barroom Network. But I still say that the Cubs need to hold on to Chris Bryant for several reasons. One, because a, the season is not even close to being over yet, be it that we are in may. And I think that the Cubs right now still feel like they have a shot of winning the division and still being very much in the division race. And two, I think if the Cubs decide by July, they want to trade Chris Bryant and they want to and they don't feel they can re-sign him. Well, then that's when teams are starting to say to themselves, okay, we really need to kick it into gear and maybe you can get a bigger haul from not just the White Sox, but any of the teams that would be calling the Cubs at that point. And then the White Sox might be having to think, okay, we have to give up a little bit more than what we would consider giving up in May at that point. So, whoever you can get the best deal with, that's who Chris Bryant is going to or Maybe the Cubs decide altogether we're going to hang on to him and see what we can get with him and, and this team. But uh, no, it does not make sense for the Cubs to trade him in May. What about you?
1: Just I mean, it's it's a dumb story. It's an absolutely stupid story. The Cubs are only their Cubs are spitting distance um, between the lead and the division. And if they can go on some sort of run, um, they can be right there. We're, we're five weeks into the season. There's no reason to talk about this right now. I do agree with what David Kaplan said when he was on the show a couple weeks ago. And he said, basically if this team is determined and they can, they're not going to make a run and they can't make a run. And I still think this team can make a run with the talent they have on there. As long as the starting pitching can turn it on, then everybody should be available. And the only reason that you would move Chris Bryant is if you could get uh, just a, a, a bevy of, of, uh, of talent to restock your minors. And, 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 and I'll, I'll challenge any listener right now, name, a a potential trade target that is not stepping onto a mound that is more valuable right now than Chris Bryant. Look at what he's done offensively and look at, as I mentioned before the versatility, he can play anywhere on the field, you know, so, so for the Cubs, if they do make that move, here's how I make that move. I say, Chris, you know we've got on this really bad streak we, we don't feel like we can come out of this big huge hole it's right before the trade deadline we're going to get the best offer we can we're going to bring back the most incredible prospects we can get and we're going to go to the highest bidder and there's going to be bidders and guess what chris when this off season's over we're coming big right back at you and we want to resign because I hope they feel that I feel that the Chris Bryant went healthy. You want him in the lineup and you want him in a Cubs uniform for the rest of his career. Cause he is a, a winner and he's a, he's a hard worker. He's just been hampered by the injury bug lately. So I don't think this is a move that the Cubs are even thinking about right now because they're just a couple games, um, out of first place. Uh, but when that time comes, if it comes, then get the biggest haul you can, but bring Chris back if you can, um, but I don't care if it's to the White Sox. I don't care if it's the Cardinals. I don't care who it is. You get the biggest haul you can if and when that decision needs to be made.
0: It's time for the Golden Cubs Fun Fact of the Week, brought to you by our partners at Golden Rule Entertainment. Did you know that the Chicago Cubs were originally called the Chicago White Stockings when they first started playing baseball? in 1870. By the 1890s, the team called themselves the Colts, and the club was even dubbed the Orphans for a period of time. However, after the 1901 season, the team had a ball club of young players and rookies, hence nicknaming the team the Cubs, and it stuck. The White Stockings name was eventually used by the Chicago White Sox. That's your Golden Cubs Fun Fact of the Week, brought to you by Golden Rule Entertainment offering big league opportunities while owning a piece of a minor league style ball club. To find out more information about how you can become an owner, go to www.goldenruleentertainment.com. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. We have a really exciting guest that we're going to be chatting with today. One of the big up-and-coming voices in the sport of baseball. Really looking forward to talking to her. She hosts a great podcast called Corks Up. She hosts that with Rachel Luba, who you may know is the agent of Trevor Bauer. You can also see her coverage on NBC Sports California and A's Pregame Live. She's also on Twitter at KleinschmidtJD. It is our pleasure to welcome Jessica Kleinschmidt to the 7th Inning Stretch. Hi, Jessica. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. You have a beautiful podcast voice.
0: <laughs> do I, well, you do. I yes. Well, I appreciate that. Thank course, you. Thank you. Yes. Um, I don't know how that translates to video. I'll just be honest. But podcast, I'll take. I appreciate yes, you saying that. No problem. So I, I love some of the things that you and I were chatting about over our emails. My mm-hmm. wife would love you because she told me <laughs> that if I ever proposed to her at a sporting event, she would literally walk out and probably break up with me. So of course, you know, I, I, I avoided that. And I would love to know from you, why are ballpark proposals so awful in your opinion?
2: So it's interesting. When I was little, I always pictured my future husband proposing to me at a ballpark because I love that idea. I I always feel so romantic about baseball and I love that idea. But as time went on and I got older and actually started believing in love and was mature about it, it just felt like it was such a slap in the face to love. And because why would you want the approval of a bunch of strangers, first of all? Second of all, it just... It, it, it's about the proposal like okay cool but what about the marriage itself and um plus it interrupts the game and i think that's so rude if i'm trying to watch the game and everybody's going to give attention to you and i'm trying to get more attention to baseball whatever so i understand the aspect of it now that i'm not as petty i get it but i just think it's a slap in the face of love but i know a lot of people on twitter are always going to be like whoa why like just let people be happy sure it's not my proposal whatever but I also know that I hope my future husband does it just to troll me because I hope (laughs) that I marry somebody who will like want to prank me in that regard but it, it actually comes from a love perspective of I I love love so much that I think that it's just it's kind of poking fun at it and I don't I think that's terrible
0: but I think that's a sweet gesture for sure, what you're saying. I yeah, think it makes a lot of sense
2: for absolutely for sure, right? Um, I, I, I want to
0: talk to you about the Cubs a little bit. I don't want to spend too much time on them only because I'm even at a point where I, I don't know what to make of this baseball team anymore, okay? But l- let's just talk about Chris Bryant for a second and. He's having a remarkable year. I don't know if you saw it, but Ken Rosenthal came out today and basically said that uh, he does not see any scenario where Chris Bryant is on the Chicago Cubs past the trading deadline. Do you see Chris Bryant being traded no matter what type of season he is having? And I guess no matter what type of season the Cubs are having at this point,
2: I actually do. And not just because it was Rosenthal that said that, but I I feel like you know obviously we know his name's been on the trading rumor block for a couple of seasons now and he's also kind of going to be outside of that shortstop kind of you know we're going to have a lot of big shortstops in this next free agency class with Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, these guys and I feel like he he'll be that guy at the hot corner and there's always one third baseman in every whether it's free agency or on the trading rumor block that everybody's going to vie for and not to mention the fact like I said who wouldn't want a Chris Bryant on their team you know I cover the A's and I know Matt Chapman's pretty much their third baseman forever you wouldn't not think about a scenario where you would want to have him at that third base position even look over the last like three or four years, we're giving so much more positivity and attention to the third baseman. You know, we have like Anthony Rendon, who just got this amazing deal with the Angels. And we have Justin Turner, who re-signed. And I mentioned Chapman. And you have Eugenio Suarez, who's actually coming out and everything like that. So you want more attention on that third base position. And however, on the flip side, A, Who's going to be willing to shell out all that money? Because, you know, for a fact, if he gets traded, they're going to want to extend him because it is Chris Bryant. And, you know, I've been watching him since he was younger. I'm a Nevada girl, and I heard about Chris Bryant. when He was just a teenager. So... He'll be that franchise guy, um, but I also can't picture him on any team but the Cubs, but we all, you know, deal with that, and I thought about that with Sergio Romo, and now he looks great in green and gold, so um, it'll be interesting, but I, I would have to agree with Ken Rosenthal, and even if that doesn't happen, you know going the rumors are going to be flying because who wouldn't want a Chris Bryant on their team, and like you said, he's doing great even dealing with an injury right now. We forgot about that because he's having a stellar season. Um, maybe it's that daddy power. He just you know had a baby and everything <laughs> like that. And I love it. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was traded, but I could definitely for happening, but I'm leaning toward a trade for sure. It, is it is it
0: absolutely just mind-boggling when you look at this team? I mean, you see the guys who are still on this roster from the 2016 team, the Rizzos, the Baezes, the Bryans, the Contreras's, Hayward, Jake Ariette is back in the in the mix. And yet this team is, I mean, for lack of a better term, just underachieved. They are just not at this moment a very good baseball team. What, what do you make of what this this makeup of the team looks like right now?
2: That's a great question. And it's interesting because you you know, I'm, I'm used to covering the A's where up until a few years ago, it was a different team every single time around. And you want to think of that Chris Bryant World Series team and all that, but you also have to look at the overall picture. I mean, I feel like a lot of teams are just shifting in ways where I feel like we're concentrating on pitching a little bit more Wanna talk, maybe the balls aren't juice, that's a whole different podcast. Um, but I definitely feel that. I like the idea of them all kind of staying the same way. And on paper, they're a strong team. I think there's so many teams that go into the regular season coming off of spring training where the roster looks daddy. It looks sexy. We're, we're good. All these names are there. I like how they're all kind of getting together, but you have to look at all the, the moves that were made in the offseason over the last couple of off seasons and they know that they have those teams like the Cubs who on paper are super, super good. So I like the idea of it. But if we want to talk about a Chris Bryant trade, would they want to shake things up in a certain department? I don't know what they're kind of craving or what they would want to do like to improve their roster at this moment. But I mean, I'm glad they kind of stuck together for a while. And obviously I love the addition of Rossi and, and everything like that. So it's a strong roster. It's just about how they kind of, put it toward the actual regular season
0: yeah for sure we're talking with jessica kleinschmidt from nbc sports california and you can find her podcast corked up which she hosts with rachel Luba, and she's also on twitter at KleinschmidtJD. jd so i, I want to talk to you about your podcast um and kind of discuss with you how this all came about if and correct me if i'm wrong but it's uh it's a podcast about wine with a little flavor of baseball. Do
2: I have that correct? Or, a splash, or a, a wine podcast with a splash of baseball, which it certainly is an exaggeration. We don't, we barely even drink wine anymore um, just because we are really busy. We don't have time to get like wine drunk on a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. Um, but yeah, it's it, so it started off just kind of, uh, just actually Rachel Luba slid into my DMs and I had read up on her. And this was before anybody really knew that Trevor had a new agent. He left Wasserman. And I was reading about her. I was like, this girl's like amazing. That's really cool. And she had been following me for a while. And she just said like, oh, you're really funny. I like your humor. And, and so that was cool. I was like, cool, we'll be like Twitter friends. Not even two days later, she slides into my DMs and she's like, hey, Trevor Bauer is a big fan of your work. And I think we can all agree like Trevor knows content really well. So that really made me excited to know that this guy who was great with content likes my stuff. So she was like, "Well, he would love to have you on his podcast." I was like, "Cool, cool." And so before spring training, was it twenty twenty? Was that last year? My goodness, yeah, spring training twenty twenty. She said, "Well, actually, I'm looking to start a podcast." I'm so oblivious, Ryan. Like, if somebody's trying to ask me to do something, I'll be like, "Oh, cool. Like, do you want me to help you find a co-host?" And Rachel was <laughs> like, "Well, no." And she's she's like, "Are you really great? Like on television, you're great on podcast." Um but I'm scared to death about being a host and I need kind of somebody to kind of boost me up. So I kind of broke her out of the shell as far as being with the media, because I kind of took the lead and now she's doing really well. So we just came up with this idea and everybody wants to learn about the behind the scenes stuff when it comes to baseball. And I'm very open with the the stuff I deal with in the media. So we go back and forth and I learn from her, she learns from me and we create this beautiful conversation and we don't hold back and, you know obviously covering trevor and free agency was really co- cool to watch um and i learned so much from her and she taught me about a lot of the stuff that the media lies about and all those little things so that was interesting and it's just been a blast and we have a cult following and people are obsessed with it which is great so you know momentum's happy with it and that of course is the the create the this content creator that produces this podcast and it's been fun so yeah it's kind of different from the usual A's coverage that I've been doing, but it lets me speak my mind and have some fun and ask the questions that I feel like fans want to know. And I feel like that's very imperative to a lot of podcasts these days. You
0: know, it's it's really great to see the rise
2: that we are um,
0: finally seeing more of when it comes to female voices in sports. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think you... Are have become one of those people. Um, there's yourself, you mentioned Rachel, your friend Melanie Newman, who's mm-hmm. now doing the Baltimore Orioles games. Um, how, how take if you can, how happy are you with the direction of how that's going? And what would you still like to see when it comes to more opportunities to see women, um, in baseball, basketball, football, broadcasting, and reporting, um, sporting events? Because I think for a long time. It was, you know, the the sideline reporter was the, the dominant uh, female person in a broadcast. And we're not just seeing that anymore. We're seeing more play-by-play announcers and hosts and whatnot. Are you happy with that direction? And or, and tell me about um, how you play that role in in trying to changing that a little bit more when it comes to women in sports and in broadcasting.
2: I think the direction is certainly going forward. However, the bumps and, and nicks and crannies are certainly going to be there. Um, I feel like that's part of the reason why I love it so much is because I'm often – like ignored, or I'll put in my opinion, I could be on a panel with two literally former MLB players, their resume, of course, is going to be better than mine. um, So I can't compete with that. However, they can't compete with how I view the game because nobody views the game really the same way. So I like how they're creating more opportunities for women. But I also know that there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. Because of the fact, like, correct. I mean, I did play baseball. I played baseball up until I possibly could, until my sophomore year of high school. And I was told, well, there's a softball team, you can't play baseball, which still pisses me off to this day, because those are two different sports. And I, and so I did the best I could, you know, but I also viewed the game a, a different way. And like you said, when I was younger, it was just like, oh, you can all you can do is be a silent reporter. And that's not putting sideline reporters to shame because that's a tough job to do as well. But I wanted to do different things. I wanted to be an analyst. I wanted to be a host. I wanted to report on these things. I wanted to blog. I wanted to do podcasts. I wanted to do the, the live TV stuff. So for me, it was, it was never about, at the beginning, it was about, okay, she's good for a girl, right? And now I'm like, I just want to be good. And so I feel like I have enough people in my life, both who identify as male and female, that can say, okay, yeah, like, like I want to hear her opinion on that. And that took a while. You really have to develop a relationship and, and with these people, these individuals. And, just show who you are and not apologize for it because at the end of the day, we all know who has that MLB resume and who doesn't. So yeah, like one of my best friends is Melanie Newman and she's doing a great job and that's play-by-play and that's a tough gig period and I'm in awe of what she does and so I'm glad that she got that opportunity and it's great but she, her and I and Danny Wexelman's of the world and we will be the first to tell you we still get backlash. Like there was one time where I was hosting a show and I was trying to get the analyst to talk to me, and he kept ignoring me. And it turns out his wife said he's not allowed to talk to women on air. And I was like, okay, well, how am I supposed to do my job then? You know, and and so that would never happen. She would not say you're not allowed to talk to a man on air, or you know, when I am talking to a guy, and he, whether he's an analyst or a host, and he his eyes glaze over that that reminds me like, okay, we still have some work to do. Or I walk in the press box and they'll say, oh, the the wives and girlfriends have to go sit over there or or stuff like that. And it's I, I I'm not offended by it anymore. Because now I if you don't know who I am, I'm gonna show you who I am and that'll shut you up. So I think we still have a long way to go long way to go, but we're definitely in that on that way. And I I honestly just don't think it'll ever go away. And I think that's part of it though. And you can ask any of the women that are in this industry and that's part of it. Like we we're always going to probably have to work harder than the guys. And this has been since little league. If I made an error, it was cause girls shouldn't play baseball. If Cody playing shortstop made an error, he was having an off day. That's how it always was. So it just kind of is what it is. When I make a mistake, it's extra because of my gender and that's BS. So I'm at this, at this point in my life, I'm like, all right, well, I'm, going to F up, we all do, but so did that guy and I don't see you coming at him in a certain way or if I tweet about a player, I'm automatically romantically attracted to him and that's not the case. But then if another man who says, oh, Chris Bryant, I have a man crush on him, which you should, he's a beautiful man, but you should also remind ourselves, I, I can't say that stuff. So that kind of stuff. So we're forward moving, but we have a lot of work to do.
0: And our thanks to Jessica Kleinschmidt. Really a great interview. I really enjoyed having her on, getting her perspective chat on so many things that I you know, think females are facing in the industry and the breakthroughs that they are now making in the industry. She was so terrific. Great insight. Knows her stuff. Uh, I would love to have her back on the program. And uh, we appreciate Jessica coming on. You can find her at KleinschmidtJD on Twitter. Remember, she is a part of the NBC Sports California crew in Oakland for the Oakland A's pre and post game show and she also has that great podcast check it out Corked Up with Rachel Luba so make sure to uh, find her where you can get podcasts available of course when you're not listening to the friendly confines uh, you know make sure you can check out her show as well and then you can find Chad and I on social media I am at Ryan D. Lieber Chad is at the Chad Gordon you can also go to our Facebook page as we also uh, are always interested in interacting with our listeners and now our viewers, because we also, in addition to the Facebook page, which is the Chicago Cubs friendly confines Facebook page, we now have a video portion that we do on Monday nights with the barroom network to talk Cubs baseball. We had our inaugural show Chad this past week. It was uh, an hour plus. We're going to, Maybe bring it down a little bit more, and maybe it'll be a little, little shorter. But nonetheless, we want to uh, make sure you are aware, and you can check us out there. And we interact with people online as we uh, talk online for the program too. So be sure to check us out there. And we also have a website as well, Chad.
1: Yeah, go to theconfines.com. That is theconfines.com. You'll see all the blog posts. You'll see. All of the episodes, you've got a way at the very bottom of the page to sign up, and it'll just alert you when a new podcast or a new post is up. Um, and regarding our new web series, regarding our new Monday night show, it's an opportunity for our listeners to see exactly how uh, nah, just to see the mugs, so they'll understand uh, who's who's talking at them. But what I love about it more, you get to, uh, you'll get a very insightful look into my closet uh, slash yes. broadcast studio studios, and you'll also get to see uh, um, how Ryan's wife. Uh, Decorates his office, which I think is a really nice touch. Thank you, thank you. Yes, we uh, we have a very
0: container store like look to our uh, background in the office, but uh, nonetheless, I'm just happy she allows me to, you know, put my things out the way that they are, and uh, (laughs) with the bobbleheads and whatnot. (laughs) So at least it gives it some sort of sports flavor, uh, to say the least. And uh, yeah, so be sure to check us out on Monday nights. We're excited about that opportunity, and. You know, Chad, we also got merchandise now. We we have friendly confines, shirts, hats, mugs. You can get them at deepdishtees.com. So be sure to check out what, you know, all the cool things that we are offering uh, through the Barroom Network and uh, our podcast. Because the shirts and the hats, you and I both have some. They're, they're pretty cool. And I've got some friends that have bought some merchandise as well. So we're really excited about this. Uh, if you're a supporter of the podcast, please make sure uh, – to check it out and uh, wear it with pride because we're excited that we're able to love that to. love
1: uh, that Ryan let's move on to the eighth inning and I knew there was trouble when I saw on Pedro Strope's I think it was his Instagram feed but uh he was in uh, Dominican Republic uh, a couple days ago and I'm like mm, that does not look like the Cubs alternate site and the news came out free agent's time with the Cubs did not work out. Uh, his uh, his uh, just couldn't find a, a way to fit into what has been really a really strong reliever core. Maybe that's the reason, but he's now a free agent. What's your take on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, I'm guessing Pedro Strope might be calling it a career pretty soon. Um, at 35, he's unfortunately not the pitcher that he once was. I mean, he was so great for the Cubs, you know, during the, the World Series season in, you know, 2017. Um, but, you know. Father Time is undefeated, Chad, as we know. And uh, if that was the last time we saw Pedro Strop in a Cubs uniform, it was a great run that he had. Um, it was kind of bonus time, so to speak, because we didn't think he'd be back with this team. And he made an appearance, you know, this year, and he was back with the team um, with the uh, alternate site uh, at the end of last year. So um, good for Pedro. If if this was his last run with the Cubs, he, he had a great career. What about you?
1: He is forever linked to, you know, one of the greatest runs in Chicago Cubs history, you know, his, his hat uh, uh, tilted over to the side, uh, obviously uh, unleashed so many Twitter tirades for some of the uh, get off my lawn uh, folks. Uh, which I love, but uh, he has had, he had some of the biggest punch outs. He was such a huge part, especially of that 15 team and the 16 success. Uh, he'll just always be that. And uh, you know, you can't hold on to forever and uh, relievers, especially explosive, explosive guys like him, Um, Lose a little bit as time goes on. So who knows if he'll find a way to work himself back into another lineup, but uh, forever a Cub, um, forever a guy that the fan base is going to love and uh, um, enjoy your time in the Dominican Republic. And if he again, if, 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 if his arm is able to come back, a major league team will bring him back. The Cubs obviously didn't think that he had what it, what was needed for uh, him to be a part and a valuable member of this lineup.
0: All right, so let's finish up now, Chad, with the ninth inning. We kind of got into this on our uh, web series, uh, the video portion of our show when we were doing this on Monday. And it's about tickets and the availability of tickets at Wrigley for fans to go to and the cost and you know, just being able to see a baseball game once again. You got better insight than anybody, obviously, being a season ticket holder. So certainly I defer to you on this. But, um, you know, whether it's COVID or ticket prices or the weather, there are fans that are just not showing up to the games in, in a time when in the past you had no problem unloading on your tickets and selling them. You now find yourself in a situation where maybe fans that don't have the same interest of going to games right now. When it comes to checking out a live baseball game, what do you think that is attributed to? And how has that worked for you?
1: You know, the thing to note is it's not been a packed house with 25 percent capacity. It's not. And when you look at the uh, the attendance figures, there, it's still a few hundred people short. And why does that matter? Well, I mean, you think of just the laws of supply and demand the supply is is 75% less and you'd expect the demand to be there. And so as a season ticket holder, I've noticed this, you know, um, I have uh, quite often, I'm, I'm so happy to do this, but I've sold a lot of my tickets uh, um, at or below face value when I'm not able to go and, and my friends aren't able to go. And I've noticed from other fans as well that, there's not a lot of takers, so whether it's just, you know, people feel like tickets aren't available for just the common core because tickets were only made available to season ticket holders. Season ticket holders had the opportunity this last home stand to buy um, a sixteen a pack that they couldn't buy individual tickets. They had to buy either two or four to all 16 games. And, and so the, the tickets you see out on the marketplace uh, are on stub up or, you know, from, from other people. So on the season ticket page, you know, people are helping others on there and offering up tickets on face value. But it's interesting. People aren't, as clamoring and I, and you hit on the, 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 factors. I mean, the weather has been crummy. Are people concerned to be out with other people because of COVID or is the fact that this team has been so up and down, has that been the issue? But it's going to be interesting to see if that continues on because, you know, there's, there's a good chance that, that Illinois will continue to go into different tiers. Uh, the mayor Lightfoot actually said by July 4th, she wants Chicago fully reopened. So by July 4th, will you know, a fully reopened Chicago be a possibility. And, uh, and if that's the case, uh, will Wrigley Field never have another sellout again? Because you have people that are resisting vaccines, you have people that are concerned about the uh, COVID, and you've had people that have uh, been decimated by this health wise. So uh, I don't know, what's your take on this? Do you, you know, do you think there's more to it than uh, or do you think it's just the bad weather? Because the Cubs have always had bad weather, but uh, they still seem to find a way for people to clamor for tickets.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few
1: factors here. One,
0: I think that there's people that are still concerned about going to a baseball game and, you know, being around other people. I think that is one. Two, I do think the weather plays a role. I I think in the past when it's bad weather in the beginning of the season, Wrigley's not necessarily as packed as it normally is. I, I truly believe that once July rolls around, because I know you mentioned the team not playing well. I mean, people are clamoring to get back outside again. And I think, especially in Chicago, once the weather you know writes itself and it's beautiful outside in july i think that whatever the capacity level will be at wrigley field you will have every single butt in that seat um being able to watch a baseball game because i I think there are so many fans that have not had that opportunity that want to be outside that want to be able to see the cubs play again regardless of how good or bad they may be so i I personally am going to chalk this up to Um, weather and the fact that I think it's just going to be a slow rollout that I think more people are going to eventually want to have that ability to go to a major league baseball game again and and see what that's all about so um, hopefully it'll pick up and hopefully we'll be able to kind of see once again um, you know fans and and more fans for that matter in the stands once they uh, you know raise it up to another tier So with that, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of The Friendly Confines. Once again, our thanks to Jessica Kleinschmidt from NBC Sports California and the podcast Corked Up. For Chad, I'm Ryan. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one.
1: See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're afield The
2: first time you walk into Wrigley.